0: Hi, this is Kara Swisher, and I want to talk to you about my new podcast for The New York Times called Sway. If you want to know what people who hold power in our world are really all about, you need to hear how they answer the tough questions. And that is my specialty. And although it might get messy, as it always does, it's also going to be really fun. You can get Sway wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are available Mondays and Thursdays.
1: This is Internet Marketing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 171 of Internet Marketing, brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. And in today's show, Kelvin talks to Rob Walling about how to be a solopreneur, all coming up in Internet Marketing
2: so rob i understand that recently you've acquired purchased um an interesting seo tool that you've used in the past can you tell us a bit about kind of how that came to pass in terms of you taking on a tool that perhaps wasn't one that you know you created from
0: scratch as it were sure yeah so i i had been using this tool called HitTail since it launched in 2006 and over the past couple of years, uh, it started having a lot of downtime. And I eventually contacted the owners. Since I'm a software developer and, and I own some, some software products and web applications myself, um, I contacted the owner, you know, kind of asking what was up, if they had abandoned the tool, and if they'd be willing to, uh, to kind of sell it to, you know, an entrepreneur. And it turns out that they hadn't abandoned it, but they... Had they were not doing enough maintenance on it, and it was having pretty significant downtime. So over the course of a couple of months, we uh, we negotiated a price, and I acquired it.
2: And you know that must be an an interesting way of kind of picking up a tool rather than building it from scratch. Was that is there kind of anything that like um, you know the process of doing that? Is that something you've done in the past in terms of acquiring tools like that, or is this it's a bit of a first?
0: I have done it in the past. Yeah, yeah I've actually bought quite a few uh, websites in mm. the past. Um, I've bought a handful of web applications. Probably around, um, it's probably eight or ten web applications now, and I've probably bought thirty more than thirty websites.
2: Mm. So, uh, so it's something you're well accustomed to, and you've done quite a lot as well. So can you take us a bit a through bit kind of how Hittail works and kind of some of the functionality of that? Because I know it's a tool that, you know, when you started talking to me about it, I was like, blimey, why have I not heard of this before? And, you know, why is it not something that I've been using more frequently? Because
0: it sounds like a, a really powerful tool. Well, Hittail is uh, it's for SEOs and... It's also used on e-commerce websites and some bloggers use it. And basically, it's for for SEOs who want to find keywords for which they can easily rank on the first page of of a search engine. So uh, often that's Google, but sometimes it's Yahoo or Bing. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's essentially an SEO keyword tool. And what it does is it it analyzes your website's traffic mm-hmm. and it gives you proprietary data. It gives you uh, real time. In essence, it gives you suggestions for keywords that you should be targeting but aren't. So mm-hmm. it's keywords that you would easily rank for without effort. Mm-hmm. And so unlike, I think the real differentiator is I've used Word Tracker and Market Samurai and Micro Niche Finder and, mm-hmm. and those tools and the Google AdWords schema tool and those all kind of mostly use the same corpus of data, mm-hmm. and that's what Hittail doesn't do, right? It actually looks at your proprietary data that no one else has. It looks at your traffic and analyzes it. Mm.
2: And do you think there's kind of a challenge to that model a little bit with the kind of recent changes that Google are making to kind of protect, essentially hide, key, uh, you know, a big chunk of the keyword referring data there?
0: Yeah, so there's, that's actually a common question I get, and mm. it, it did impact that. Uh, um, it dropped the suggestions we could provide by about 10%. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if we, there are some people, you know, we often are able to provide t- between 20 and a few hundred suggestions in a month. Mm-hmm. And so now for those who used to get 20, they get 18. Mm-hmm. So it's not the end of the world, but obviously it is a, down the line if Google continues this path, then yeah, I, it, it, it tailbone, I have an issue at mm-hmm. point.
2: I suppose it's still an additional suggestion, isn't it? So 18 keywords that you could rank very well for that you don't know about is still incredibly valuable, even though it's like last month it could have been 20. 18 is still 18, isn't it?
0: That's right. That's right. And it's, it's helpful for people who are, who are both creating content. I mean, one of the most common uses for the keyword suggestions is to go and write a blog post about it or to just, you know, write an article mm-hmm. or, or have someone write an article. Um, and that will tend to rank right on the first page of that search engine right away, just because it's well, because the algorithm is fairly smart, and so uh, that's the most common occurrence. And then other people I'm finding are using the suggestions; it, they're kind of using them in new ways that I hadn't thought about. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a number of customers using them for for link text when they when they go and build links you know, oh, okay. instead of um, you. Yeah, you've talked about how you know you'll have maybe 50% of your links you want with a certain phrase your head phrase and then you want to mix it up the other 50%. Well, mm. people are taking their suggestions and using them as the other 50% essentially as the link text. And it, I so. mean, I think
2: that's incredibly powerful. I mean, there's been some, you know, real shifts and changes in in Google over the last couple of weeks even where it seems that there that there's these uh, messages that are going out in Google Webmaster tools t- um, you know kind of illustrating google saying we think you've got dodgy links essentially and there's kind of seems to be two areas that you know that's setting off this trigger one is people using blog networks to build links um and like websites like build my rank have had all of their um network de-indexed as a consequence of that and that seems to be one area but the other one seems to be it's kind of where people have over um targeted a particular keyword anchor text phrase and you know actually i've you know it's always been sensible to kind of include a variety of keywords in your anchor text but it does seem to be that that's very much the direction it's headed in. So a tool can kind of give you indications of what you ought to be thinking about there. I suppose it's quite useful, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And one of the things I always struggle with you know, as an SEO is is uh, finding all those uh, kind of the, the, the link anchor text that I'm going to use, right? Mm. It's like easy to find that head term and then you, you're you just kind of making up the rest. You're kind of looking through Google Analytics and grabbing out, you know, different different ideas from there. So, you know, Hittail obviously helps with that. Mm.
2: And, you know, so kind of moving on from HitTech, it's a great tool. I recommend everyone has a a look at it to check out. You you know, one of the things that you've kind of really, you know, talked about a lot in the past, Rob, is kind of, you know, bootstrapped solopreneur kind of, um, you know, businesses where you've kind of set up and it's self-funded startups. Can you tell us a bit about kind of how you came into that process and kind of some of the things that you've been involved with in terms of kind of promoting that as as a cause, as an idea, really?
0: Sure, sure. Yeah. So I'm a software developer from way back. um, And over the course of several years in in the early 2000s, I was a consultant and I realized that I didn't want to do that forever. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like dollars for hours. Um, and I didn't really want to be chasing down my next project when I was 50 years old. And so I was trying to figure out a way to, to kind of get out of that. Mm-hmm. And I found that a lot of, of, software developers and even consultants and, and designers and entrepreneurs, um, feel the same way, right? They're kind of stuck in this job. And the only way out I could see was to, to go big and to raise venture funding mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, do something like Y Combinator or mm-hmm. just, I, I live near, Uh, the bay area and so i was going to raise millions of dollars and try to have this big exit so that i could have freedom of time Mm. and um in essence i found there's another way and Mm -hmm. what i've done is i built and launched a few different software products and websites, and they started generating a little bit of money. You know, it, it, it was several hundred dollars a month at first. Mm. And then as I grew them into a few thousand bucks a month, I realized, wow, if I had a few more of these, mm. if I actually had a number of small products and small niches, there's a little competition, and I could essentially make enough money that I, didn't, that I wouldn't have to consult anymore, mm. and I could live off the products. And so, so that's what I did. I, I actually started acquiring them at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are a lot of good products on the, on the market, or, or good products around, like HitTail. Um, but I also have invoicing software. I have a software in a wedding website building niche. Um, just you know, kind of random niches, but they're they're so low comp. Uh, in terms of seo and advertising and all that stuff that um that i'm able to make it work and mm. so so that's what i did i about four almost five years ago now i mm. stopped consulting altogether and i live off product revenue
2: mm. and you know it's that kind of quite a different mindset that you've had to work in kind of moving from that kind of build you know potentially having a relatively small number of consult um you know clients as it were on big projects to having potentially thousands of customers with if you're dealing with kind of software or service
0: yeah, it has, and and something that's helped me a lot with that is um, I do I have you know a couple of virtual assistants. I, I do a lot of outsourcing as a single. I'm basically a solopreneur, so I don't have any employees. Mm-hmm. But since I I have about ten different uh, essentially products, you know they're either websites or web applications. Um, since I have ten of them, I, I really couldn't do it all myself. So I do have uh, anywhere between six and eight contractors who work for me in any given month, all of them are part time. Um, All of them are remote. Some are in the US, some are in Canada, and some are overseas. And um, so that has been a critical piece to help me manage all that, right? Like you said, I have, I literally have 1000s of customers for all of these apps, Mm -hmm. and they, they help manage, uh, you know, their, their app they help manage that support load
2: and have you got any advice on kind of finding those contractors because recently i've gone you know you know i've long heard the advice that you ought to have a a virtual assistant and you know just this year went down that route and i went down the route of advertising on gumtree and actually found someone in the same city as me as it transpires but you know that was kind of it was that was just how it ended up that wasn't the design and that was kind of just an added bonus that kind of ticked uh, an extra kind of column in her box but kind of how did you go about kind of these contractors it's kind of ODesk. is that kind of the route that you went down
0: yeah, yeah, that's a. It's actually a really good question. I've gone the four or five paths over the past four or five years, um, and essentially, ODesk is what I do these days. I stopped using Craigslist for it. I stopped using job boards. Um, I was on Elance for a while. I mean, I tr- kind of tried all the routes, and uh, really, at this point, ODesk is has worked out well for my last couple of hires. So that, mm. that's what I'd recommend.
2: Mm. And any advice on putting together those job descriptions, or um, you know, how you should, you know weed out because that the actually i had the opposite problem that my problem was i got inundated with applications so rather than kind of i thought my problem might be i'd have no one applying um but instead i had kind of
0: 150 people to deal with yeah <laughs> that's very common so yeah if you're apply- if you're going to post a job for something as common as a va where kind of everyone could apply the same holds for like for php developers or wordpress developers there's just a lot of folks out there who yeah. do it if you're going to do that you really need to limit uh, you limit your scope because you will get too many applicants, and so what I tend to do first, I write the job description like i'm a I'm a person, not like mm-hmm. i'm a corporation, and I do inject some personality into it, and I try to make the job attractive because mm-hmm. that's the only way you're going to get the best candidates is to you know is to talk the job up a bit I mean you have to be realistic, but you do have to have to kind of let people know that it's a cool job. At the same time, I'm pretty strict. You know, I say only apply if you have these specific skills. And then in Odesk, you can limit it. And you can basically say only if they have five out of five English skills, mm. you know, no matter where in the world, including in, you know, if they're living in the U.S. or in the U.K., like some, mm. you need really good written English mm. and, and spoken English. And then I will limit, you know, that they only have a certain amount of feedback. They have a certain number of Odesk hours worked. Mm. You can kind of be picky when you're looking for just a blanket VA. Mm. And so I, I tend to get, when last my, my last va posting i only got instead of 150 like you said i mm. think i got f- in the 40s maybe mm. 45 yeah. which is much more manageable and mm. then i was able to quickly knock out about 25 you know just mm. right off the bat and then mm. and then kind of sift through and interview the, the top three mm. and
2: have you kind of got any tips on kind of the, managing the tasks as well because i mean actually having read books like you know Four Hour work week i was kind of very concerned about kind of how to explain my tasks as it were um, when actually i transpired it's like you know nicola who i work with she's Very good at dealing, um, you know, understanding my gibberish. But, um, you know, have you found any tips and recommendations for kind of how to work with people remotely when you've only really got email perhaps as the main form of communication?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So that is how I communicate with everyone. Typically, when I first hire them, I do one video Skype chat just so we've seen each other face to face once and heard each other's voices. And then after that, I will literally go years without ever talking to them. And and that's and what we but we you know, we might IM or or email once mm. a week or twice a week. So, so there is communication. It's just not verbal. Mm. And the way uh to answer your original question, the way I communicate tasks I use a lot of, it's basically screencasts Mm -hmm. and Google Docs. Mm -hmm. And so I will, I mean, I record two or three screencasts a day now. Mm -hmm. Um, And often they're very, they're very short. And I use, I'm on, so I use um, Camtasia Studio, mm-hmm. and in three minutes I can explain. You know, you can explain something that would take ten minutes, twenty minutes to write out mm-hmm. in a doc, and then with one click you can basically publish it to Screencast.com, which mm-hmm. is uh, Camtasia. Yeah. Uh, you know, on uh, hosting things, so you don't have to render it and upload it. I mean, it just kind of does it in mm-hmm. one step. And then if it's a particularly complicated process, and I think that they're going to need to refer to it a lot, I mm-hmm. will also then. some bullet points together that kind of match up with the screencast so that they can watch the screencast once or twice and then refer back to the bullet points for in the google doc for essentially Mm. years to come Mm. and uh i i think the other thing is to get the most out of uh, a virtual assistant is the first things you should outsource are the things the recurring tasks Mm. things that you do once a week once a month um, because that will that just buys you time you're basically making time for the next you know Mm years as long as the person works for you mm. and i know you're kind of organizing a
2: conference related to this kind of self-funded startups and kind of solopreneur type stuff is it kind of a trend that
0: you're seeing more and more people heading in this direction role it is um I, you know we have a, a large worldwide audience i say we it's i have a podcast and a mm. blog and, and this conference um and i'm just amazed at the number of people who where this idea resonates with mm. them and i i think what has happened is there's a bit of a i i, I guess backlash too strong a word but it's it 's kind of like if you don 't live in the, in the Bay Area or in you know uh, a, a city with a lot of venture capitalists mm. and you aren't willing to to kind of work 60, 70 hour weeks and take some risk and work for sub sub market wages then it 's really hard to start a startup mm-hmm. you know to, to do a big idea and so this this idea of starting small and being able to launch a product on the side. Um, that maybe only makes a few hundred dollars a month to start with, but that you can do while you're working full time, while you have a family. I mean, I'm yeah. 37. I have two kids. I mm. did all of this, you know, while I was doing my real life. And you can kind of grow it on the side gradually. And I think that idea resonates mm. resonates really well with people.
2: Uh, but but do you think you need to be a software kind of guy to 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 run these types? Because it's only really working we can build a software tool.
0: Right, right. I um. I don't. I think that it helps. Although these days, I try to write as little code as possible because mm-hmm. there are people who can do that as good as or better than I am, who are much much cheaper. Mm-hmm. You know, like my my big value prop these days is is in high level thinking. And mm-hmm. so, I actually encourage software developers to to try to outsource some of it mm-hmm. and to try to to cut down on how much they develop. So um, the the ultimate answer is no. You don't need to be a software person. It does help. In managing, you know, because obviously you're going to, if you're going to do anything on the web, you need to have some type of, of mm. software knowledge, even if you're not building software. Mm. I mean, one of my products is a, a job board. Mm. You know, it's a, a job board for for uh, electricians. Mm-hmm. And I, you don't need to know. I, it's an off-the-shelf job board. You don't need to know software to do that. But it does help to know it is written in PHP, and it helps mm. to know a little bit of the basics, mm-hmm. um, even if you are going to hire out the development. So, yeah. But we have many. I have many developers and uh internet marketers and seos and those type of folks who do you know implement my kind of my ideas Mm.
2: and i suppose that's where the talent is there is it's in that kind of knowing who the right person to hire is isn't it i think and sometimes that that knowledge can be really powerful where it's the kind of being able to tell who is the real deal and who's someone who's kind of bluffing a little bit potentially and you know particularly if you're not able to you know shake their hand and you know look them in the eye it's the kind of that that extra bit of knowledge can really help you avoid getting stung there you know potentially as well that's right and in, in terms of kind of other people that you look up to in the world of kind of self-funded startups is there anyone in particular that you recommend is worth kind of going out and having a look at what that you know who's sharing their knowledge that people if they've kind of listened to the podcast and goes actually I, i've got this really great idea for a, a software product or something that i could launch around my day job that i think um would be really useful and um you know you know who they ought to be looking at for kind of advice on this besides yourself
0: sure um there, yeah, there are a number of them. Uh, one is, if, if folks are into podcasting, mm-hmm. there's um, there's good podcasts called the Lifestyle Business Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also one called the Startup Success Podcast mm-hmm. that I like. And I actually like Mixergy quite oh, okay. a bit, uh, Mixergy.com. Yeah, th- those are good podcasts. And then in terms of the blogs, um, uh, Jason Cohen's blog is called A Smart Bear is Good. And mm-hmm. then there's uh, a guy named Patrick mackenzie mm-hmm. and he has a great blog it's it's calzumaeus.com but if you just search patrick mackenzie blog um you'll find it he's the bingo card creator guy he built the whole empire out of bingo card creator
2: software okay so. fantastic <laughs> no no i mean it's a really interesting world isn't it and i think it's actually you know really exciting is that what you've got is you know for individuals they can work on a you know a number of projects they can kind of you know try out all of their ideas potentially see you know it's kind of an almost a uh like almost having your own kind of venture capital approach isn't it but kind of on a much more micro level isn't it it's the kind of you've got 10 ideas trial 10 of them out and you know not all 10 of them necessarily will be the most successful in the world but a few of those are going to be you know more successful and you know it's you can almost be your own venture capitalist in that sense i suppose isn't it
0: that yeah that's a good analogy for it yeah i've heard someone say uh rob has his own personal conglomerate <laughs> right because it's yeah. a multiple multiple products so
2: yeah and it's and one final question for you rob as well before we go in terms of kind of you know you've got your multiple products there as well do you think that there's a benefit to them being in kind of you know you talked about yours kind of being you know electrician job board wedding software you know now a, um an seo tool do you, you know is it kind of a deliberate conscious decision to try and keep those quite separate or do you think that there's a benefit to potentially
0: you know working within a niche so you can kind of share audiences between the tools do you think I would love if all my products were in the same niche because I would have so much ability to to provide a full package for people mm. and cross promote. But the lately the acquisitions are just all over the place. And if I see a good deal that I think I can I can make happen, mm. I will do it no matter what the niche. So, um, but yeah, I've actually had the most success. You know, I have a blog and a podcast in the same niche and then we launched a conference and then I wrote a book in that niche. Mm. And then the SEO tool actually relates a little bit to that because I, you know, in terms of building apps. And so those those uh, things that do relate have been my most successful. Mm. Um, but that doesn't mean that you, I also like the diversification of mm. being in multiple niches. Um, you know, when, when 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 we had the recession, yeah. uh, when it started a few years ago, all my B2B stuff just plummeted mm. in a month, but my consumer stuff kept up. Mm. And then I've had other times where my consumer revenue really drops, but my B2B stuff stays mm. up. So um, I think there is some benefit to it. But yeah, I think if, if I could control it, I would, I would probably stick all in the same niche if I was building all my own stuff. Mm-hmm
2: fantastic well I think there's some great advice there I mean I think even just from the kind of perspective of going and checking out HitTail, I think that's great advice there as well but I think also you know what what Rob's up to is really interesting I think kind of a very inspirational story that I imagine will probably have resonated with quite a few of our listeners themselves so yeah definitely go and check out um, Rob's blog and podcast I'm a big fan of the podcast myself Um, I can't recommend it enough
0: no
1: thanks well that's it for today thank you so much for listening You can find us on the internet at www.internetmarketingpodcast.org where you'll find show notes, links and instructions on how to subscribe. We would absolutely love to get feedback, comments and questions from you. If you want to send an email, send it to kelvin.newman at sitevisibility.com. Also, feel free to comment on the website. And if you'd like to use our voice line number, if you're outside of the UK, it's plus 441273. Two five six one five zero. 150. If you're inside the UK, it's 01273 256 150. And you can leave a voice, comment or question and we'll play it on the show. Also, we would absolutely be delighted if you would give us a, a rating on iTunes itself. Well, that's it for now. Andy White signing off until next week on Internet Marketing. What's new in podcasting? Here's what we love, courtesy of ACAST Recommends. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being completely straight
0: mm-hmm.
1: and 10 being completely gay, what number are you? Um.
0: You know, I don't think that you should rank how gay they are. I guess, I, you know, that's just a little of a red, just a flag for me. Come on, come out. A weekly podcast where real lesbians tell their real coming out stories.
2: You can find Come on come out on your favorite Podcatcher out now. Go listen.
1: AC A-cash. 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 recommends.